I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, everyone, to episode 224 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for today's episode, we have a very special interview with Mr. Josh Toomey of the Talk To Me podcast, of the uh, Drag the Water podcast, which is a Pantera podcast. And he just recently started hosting a show on Knotfest, uh, the Slipknot channel that they have on Twitch. And that's huge. That's a, a really big deal. We're going to talk to him about all of that. Um, the interview starts around the 10-minute mark. I do want to give everyone the 411 there, <laughs> the information as to what is going on with me, uh, with all of the places that you can look up or check out my podcast, my live stream, and talk a little bit about Patreon, some other things. So if you want to skip ahead to the 10-minute mark, feel free to do so. Um, I do want to thank anyone that does check the live stream out, joins the chat, comments. Uh, I understand that not everyone can watch live, so that's why we have both this, the audio podcast, and we also have the show for you to go back and check out up on YouTube. Um, so yeah, and this actually, when I do the live show, it actually broadcasts out onto several platforms around the world. Uh, it goes out live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, um, Periscope, and then there's a bunch of like regional platforms that are big around the world that maybe aren't as big in the U.S., um, or even in Europe, you know, there are some things that are popular in, um, Korea and Russia and, and stuff like that. And believe it or not, I get viewers from there. So if you actually want to check out all the platforms that I'm available on, you can go to marsattacksradio.com right there at the top of the page. You'll find subscribe to podcast and it'll actually show you links to everything. Um, the live stream, like I said, goes out Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, DLive, Trovo, Nemo TV, Afrika TV, Mob Crush, Von Live, Picarto, OKRU, and FC2 Live. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, let's say you're checking this out someplace and you want to actually subscribe, have it downloaded to your phone and whatnot. The show is up there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. It is on Amazon now. So if you have an Amazon device, you can ask it to play the Mars Attacks podcast, and it will do so. I've tried it myself. We're also on Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, Deezer, Player FM, Mixcloud, Ghana, GeoSavin. And if you're using some other podcasting program that isn't any of these that I've just mentioned or any platform, you can just lift the RSS right from the page. So that's marsattacksradio.com and just go to subscribe to podcast. 
We also have the links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other things. There's a Telegram channel. There's uh, TikTok that I haven't used much. Uh, I may use it if I have time to promote tonight's show. And there's also a Reddit. There's a Discord, which connects through one of the other streaming services. So it duplicates the stream over there. Does not always work. Something that I'm trying to figure out. And there's also the Patreon. For as little as two bucks a month, you can jump in on Patreon. And uh, anywhere from two to 20 bucks right now, you get a bonus podcast called the Victor M. Ruiz podcast. And that's me going over uh, recent hard rock and metal news. And um, yeah, you can, you'll, you can catch that there. You also get all types of videos. You get all types of uh, polls and questions. And there's actually a playlist that we're putting together based on which videos the patrons are selecting. So if you actually go to MarsAttacksRadio.com forward slash playlist, plural, you can actually find both a Spotify and Apple music version of this playlist. And there's a lot of cool stuff. It's all from this year. So you can't complain that there's no good new music coming out because there's plenty there for you to check out. Okay. Um, it's there's stuff on there that, Maybe I wouldn't have picked, but the patrons picked and stuff that, you know, I've helped turn people on to uh, tonight's guest on the live stream is going to be Jeremy Weltman, who's a patron. And he said, I've, I've asked the guys on Patreon. They've, he, well, Jeremy has purchased, he said 10 to 11 albums this year alone, based on stuff that I've posted on my Patreon page. And there are others out there as well. I do want to thank my patrons. And I'm just going to take a moment to run them down. It is Steve Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, who I just mentioned, Mike Jones, Brad Dahl of Yarg Metal, Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, Gabriel Ruiz, Chris Vaglio, Jose Ruiz, and Jerry from Long Island, who just recently bumped up his, um, uh, his, you know, his, uh, how do you say it? He's jumped from tier one to tier three. How about that? <laughs> so I want to thank him for doing that. I, I, I'm drawing a blank here as to, uh, how you would say it, but anyway, he's pledging more on a monthly basis. And there's, like I said, there's four different tiers and it all depends on what you want to receive in return. Uh, Jeremy sent me a really, not Jeremy, Jerry from Long Island sent me a really nice note about saying how he really appreciates the new releases post that I do on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Um, I loved receiving that because it's cool to know that you're doing something right, you know? Um, today's new releases, including included the new album from Fear Factory and the new album from Halloween. You can find my write-up on both of those right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'd either click on new releases right at the top 
or you can scroll down and you'll find the site is separated between the releases, the audio podcast, the video live streams, and a few other things. So again, MarsAttacksRadio.com, MarsAttacksRadio.com is your one-stop shopping spot for everything related to this podcast and the live stream. So there you go. Um, I mentioned this recently, how I did start my own web design business. Excuse me, I'm talking so much that my voice is giving out. But anyway, I, I also got the, uh, the, the good old uh, Pfizer jab yesterday. Feels like a Charlie horse in my arm and I feel a bit run down, but that's about it. I mean, nothing out of the ordinary. But anyway, what I want to get at. Started my own web design business. Just want to hype that up one second. Um, I do everything from, you know, setting up websites to landing pages to um, doing logos and marketing and audio editing, similar to what I do here. I do some video editing as well. Anyway, if you go to VMRIT and, uh, you can find out everything that I do offer and there's a portfolio there. So you can check out all the various projects and things that uh, I've been working on either client sites that I'm maintaining or examples that I've put together. Anyway, thank you for checking this episode out for taking the time to stream or to download it. Hopefully uh, you subscribe again. All the various places you could subscribe are right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Hope you can join us for Signals from Mars live stream one of these Fridays. And I just want to say thanks. Please share or like and tell your friends about us. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday June 12th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. Hello to everyone in the chat. Hello to Jeremy in the UK who's already joining us. And hello to my guest, Mr. Joshua Toomey. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Vic. How you been, bud? I've been doing uh, good myself. Um, <laughs> I made sure to wear my, uh, I guess you can kind of see that, my... Um, Ride the lightning shirt because the last time that I interviewed someone that had ride the light had a ride the lightning poster in the background, um, everything went to shit. So I, I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, since I know Josh has a ride the lightning framed in the background, let's see if I can change the angle here so we can actually see. Yeah, there it is. We go. Um, I said, you know what? I'm going to wear the shirt. This way, we'll make sure, <laughs> you know, make sure that the uh, video doesn't cut out. Make sure that the uh, audio all works for us. So, um, well, now everything's going to fall apart and my computer is going to break. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, little by little, people are trickling in. Um, you have just joined NotFest. I have. Um, it's been what, two, three weeks now? Uh, about a month and a half. I think. Okay. Yeah. About five, I think five episodes of five weeks. Uh, okay. we've been, we were, we've been talking about this since like February and, uh, it was, it's 
crazy because like I've been wanting to say something for so long. And right. I and like, you know, I would tell people here and there and be like, don't say anything, but we're doing stuff at Notfest. And um, you know, with Notfest, I I was a big fan of uh Bees, who is no longer with Notfest, but I was a big fan right. of his old uh, podcast, That's Not Metal. And mm-hmm. I just kind of kept in touch with him. And when I saw that Notfest was kind of taking the notfest.com domain and turning it into more of like a journalistic empire right. i was like and this was like about a year ago i'm like dude yeah. i gotta get in on this and uh he's like you know we're just starting it up so you know hold tight and um when they decided to do a twitch stream very similar to like early mtv almost like yeah. you know we got a bunch of vjs together and we all have our own shows and things like that um that's when b's kind of reached out again he's like hey i might have something for you and what do you think about this? And um, obviously jumped at the opportunity and it's been awesome. I mean, it's, you know, getting that not fest name attached to my, you know, talk to me and now throw back, throw down to me and just being able to add that to kind of the arsenal. It's uh, it's been pretty awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I know exactly what it's like, obviously not as big of a name, but uh, that was one of my sticking points back in the day or back in the day when I got, kind of jettisoned from the whole talking metal umbrella. I was right. like, well, you don't understand that that helps open doors. So, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't understand that just being associated to something as big as NotFest, which is huge. Um, I mean, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta open up the possibilities to interviewing people that maybe you've been knocking on their door for years <laughs> And it was like, you know, beat it, kid. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got that name attached to it. And maybe the, the you know, the, the the coin is on the other side where, you yeah. know, you're, you can turn them down as opposed to being the other way around. Well, I mean, in, in all honesty, doing Talk To Me for six years, I mean, I've got to interview pretty much everyone I've wanted to interview. I mean, obviously, right. Phil Anselmo has been on the podcast a few times. And, you know, maybe a guy in Metallica is maybe with, you know, the the last kind of hurrah on all of this, you know, the big guys like maybe like Dave Mustaine, stuff like that. But the one thing I've noticed was, was even yesterday's show, I had Sonny from POD on mm-hmm. and it was, that was the first time that not fest reached out to a publicist who had to reach out to management, but it got done very quickly. It, right. it basically, cause the show was on Thursday. It got nailed down on Wednesday. It was going to happen mm-hmm. to where like typically it would just be like a no, you know, there's not enough time to get this together. Right. But once the publicist knows that it's going to live on not fest and the not fest yeah. YouTube and, you know, all the social medias and stuff like that, like people are, are, you know, jumping at the opportunity to do this. So it's pretty, pretty insane to watch it come together that quickly. Mm-hmm. I honestly, you know, an interview with Sonny from POD would probably come down the pipeline, but mm-hmm. just for the fact that they announced the 20th anniversary of satellite, yeah, touring on it, all that stuff, and being able to put it on Notfest also made it that much bigger, and so it, it came together a lot quicker than just a regular episode of Talk to Me would have came together. Yeah, that's cool. Um, as as far as that's con- well, as far as people coming out, how many people have come out of the woodworks now to ask you to come on <laughs> to, <laughs> to come on your Notfest show? Because obviously, that I'm assuming is going to be very different to how you handle talk to me or even drag the water because you know you're you're working for someone else so at the same time you kind of have to play within a specific structure 
honestly, they they've really given me free reign to get whoever I want okay. on the show. They haven't, you know, they haven't really suggested <laughs> Chris Sinzak. Um, I'm I was from Primrose Way, bro. But no, um, <laughs> the 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 not fest themselves, they haven't actually said anything to me about getting a certain person on. Like I actually right. asked, I was like, hey, I need some help with a guest this week. And that's when they helped with the Sunny from BOD. But everyone else, it's like I'm coming at this with an email list and some phone numbers in my phone that I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm a part of NotFest now. Can you do yeah. my live stream? And, you know, getting a lot more yeses than noes on that. And even mm-hmm. it was funny kind of coming down to the wire on Thursday's show. I didn't really have a guest per se before Wednesday. And then right. Wednesday rolls around and Morgan from Kitty says, oh, yeah, I can do it. And then Sonny from POD can do it. And then uh, Fernanda from Crypta did it. And then I was like driving down the road and I get a phone call from a phone number I don't know. And I just let it go to voicemail and I get a text. It's like, hey, this is Zet from Exodus. I hear you need a guest for your show. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I call him back. And, and it's crazy just to be on the phone with, uh, you know, be on the phone with Zet from Z- Exodus, who I've never talked to before. Right. Um, and, then, and then Gene Hoagland emailed me directly like, hey, I, you know, I know you're in a bind for a guest. I can do it, you know, this time. And I'm like, well, I got it covered, but next time. And, you know, it's, it's been pretty awesome that the relationships, I guess what I was trying to say is the relationships I've built over the last five or six years doing the podcast are really paying off now to where I've got a pretty good repertoire of guests that'll come on the show that, you know, our names to begin with. And and honestly, the NotFest crew have been really kind of almost blown away with some of the guests that I've been getting (laughs) <laughs> like the guy running the whole thing when i messaged him the uh schedule for yesterday he was like damn dude you went from like no guests to like a jam-packed show so um <laughs> it's, it's been pretty awesome yeah that's cool um how much of that has to do with your past being in primer 55 being in other bands that you were in as well building those relationships while you were out on tour with people how much does that come into play in people actually being comfortable to <laughs> to work with you or to come on your show and, yeah. and you know, to, to be able to kind of let loose? Because obviously when you interview people, there's a difference when you already have, as uh, Mr. Gymnasium Sinzak has just mentioned, <laughs> repertoire. When, when you have repertoire. already a relationship with somebody, yeah. it's obviously different to when you're, speaking to someone for the first time. So how do you think, you know, being in 12 volt and being in primer 55 and, and everything else has helped you kind of facilitate your way into podcasting and, and opening some of these people up. Well, I think with the being in primer helped with the initial start of talk to me, because if you look at those first 10, 15 episodes, it was guys I had toured with or guys I had met through, through primer or through even 12 volt. And just met over the years. And so when I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to do a podcast. I just sent out a few emails and text messages. And luckily I had friends like, you know, Billy Gray of Fozzie who played in primer for a minute to where right. um, I, I knew uh, Frank Novinick of Haybreed through some stuff. And obviously Chris Kale actually was in 12 volt after me, goes on to be in one of the biggest bands of, of uh, our, our time right now. So, right. So those for, you know, and then virus from dope was one of the first early guests and, um, you know, we had toured with them and Steve from Skin Lab toured with those guys. So I was able to get maybe the first 10 or 15 guests, you know, from the people that I knew so that when it did t- 
turn into approaching publicists. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you know, this I know it's a new show, but I've already had, you know, the guy from Five Finger Death Punch and the guy from Soulfly and the guy, you know, guy from Haybreed yeah. on the podcast. So it kind of opened that door up pretty quick uh, to to get good guests on early. So, I mean, I guess that's the, really the only, I guess, uh, you know, kind of few steps I passed, you know, getting into this stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I still take on the the, you know, the new band, the up and coming band here and there, but only now because people see the show as a launching point for a band and not mm-hmm. only just not, it's not just new podcasts. We're going to give them to a new band and they can all learn, you know, they, they right. trust that they're going to get their new band in front of some people and stuff. So, so yeah, so it helped talk to me and obviously moves on to, uh, to, to now, I guess thoroughly help the new throwback throwdown with the not best. Yeah. Um, before jumping on board with not fest, were you still having to jump through hoops with certain publicists or certain artists to try to get them on? Or were there, were people comfortable enough that they were, you know, just coming on Yeah, just because, you know, um, I've had, a, I've had a really good, um, yeah, we do need a Rex Brown interview. Um, I've had a pretty good track record of dealing with publicists and, you know, not really, I've just, I've always seemed to be a pretty decent dude. <laughs> and always been, you know, um, you know, uh, helping people out and things like that. So, um, I've always had a pretty good uh, relationship with publicists. And obviously, now, you know, when I posted that I joined up with Notfest, you know, some of the first emails I got were from my publicist friends, like "Congratulations, we always knew you could do it" and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, so yeah, it's it's been, um, yeah, I never really had to jump through too many hoops and. You know, and and I feel like, uh, you know, the podcast always been pretty good. So I think people, you know, obviously publicists talk like we all, you know, all all the podcasters talk. Yeah. All the publicists talk. And so I think if the publicists find a podcast that's doing something and can get some headlines, you know, they're like, hey, you know, this guy seems to be doing something right. So, I you know, everybody talks, I guess. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, As far as transitioning from just doing stuff from an audio format yeah now obviously like we're talking here you're doing the twitch stuff uh was there any hesitation on your behalf to add that video component uh you know it's the the funny thing about the video component and was that i'd been doing this a little bit beforehand you know i'd I'd been doing some live stream stuff um chris sinzak if, if, if you want guests that aren't the 13th guitarist of enough's enough you kind of got to deal with some publicists sometimes there. Um, but uh, <laughs> love you, Chris. Hey, look, rock and pod, go to it. Um, no, the uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the question. Now that I'm given uh, yeah, the transition from, from oh, okay, yeah, 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 the video. So, yeah, so I started doing some obviously this, this pandemic that kind of disrupted everything, you know, made, made me really look into uh, getting the video format and getting higher, higher speed internet and getting, you know, streaming and a streaming system to, to, you know, learn um, how to get the, the software out and, you know, everything Mm -hmm. else. So, so I found a really good streaming software and I was having, you know, a couple of guests on, I, you know, forget what night of the week, but we would, you know, hop on and just, you know, shoot this shit for a little while and, and then get off. But, um, but by doing that, you know, obviously I was, upgrading the 
upgrading the internet and upgrading the you know the uh, camera and things like that and then basically and actually i bought an entire computer just to stream from right. and like right when i bought the computer that's when the not best thing kind of popped up so <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of all just kind of been building to this you know it's not right. like i'm um obviously anytime I, I go live on anything it's it's nerve-wracking because when you podcast you can do 13 takes of what's up guys you know welcome to the show or like i didn't like that i'm gonna try it again yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah so it's uh it's 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 different but mm-hmm. you know being in front of a camera being in front of people and kind of talking it's 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 not necessarily second nature but uh, it's getting mm-hmm. there yeah um along with you a lot of different people join notfest at the same time um what do you feel you add that Notfest didn't have or or any of these people that are coming in don't have. What does Josh Toomey offer that right. the rest of them can't? Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily not, I guess I guess what they brought me in for was the throwback throwdown. The the initial idea of the show was to be a little bit more of a, a history lesson in music. And you know, I would come on the the initial <laughs> thought of the show was I would come on for like an hour. And if I was going to have someone from like seven dust on, mm-hmm. he would talk about seven dust and getting the band together. And then the second hour, a member of seven dust would come on and then kind of give their side of it. And right. it qu- quickly just turned into an interview show, which is kind of where <laughs> my comfort zone is anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of came in as, as part of a Thursday was going to be a more of a, a throwback Thursday. They were going to be a little bit more, um, you know, going back and looking at older bands and things like that. So that that's where I initially came into the thing, but um, it was actually pretty awesome. The guy that that's kind of running the whole thing uh, after my first episode with Heidi from butcher babies, I, I like turned, I turned off the computer after I was done and I was like, I'm getting fired. That was the worst thing I've ever done. Everything <laughs> sucks. I suck. You know, I'm never going to yeah. podcast again. And within like three seconds, I got text messages from him like, oh, my God, that was awesome. We need you to do more interviews. And and um, and this isn't announced yet. It's kind of been on a few things here and there. It's not officially announced yet, but talk to me. We'll be going over to notfest.com also. So, you know, we'll, it'll be pumped through their socials and all that stuff. So um, obviously, I guess I did something right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, you know, they they definitely wanted me on for, you know, basically what I've been doing for six years for free is you know come over and and help them on their interview side and you know get some headlines for them and some clicks and and all that stuff so it's going to be a lot of fun but um so yeah i think they brought me in for what they got (laughs) which was kind of that that interview guy i mean obviously obviously was bees was there and he's there he was the interview guy like he Mm -hmm. loved um yeah i would love a mike Patton interview thank you rock and roll podcast rock and roll podcast who has been on every stream I've done so far and always commenting. So I got to, yeah. got to thank him for, for pump, you know, jumping in and hanging out each week on the uh, throwback throwdown. But with bees being there, I was like, well, I'm probably just going to get like the secondary interviews and things like that. And then as mm-hmm. they were coming together, bees left to do his own thing. So I was like, well, here's a hole that I can fill. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped on it right away. Cause I mean, you know, they've got guitar shredder, uh, you know, shows and, countdown to oblivion which is a uh, like kind of like a trl type show with hardcore right. keem who hardcore keem hilarious dude like he cracks me up all the time we do we also do a, a show called first listen 
That's actually midnight Eastern, which is midnight my time, uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night into Friday morning where a new album comes out. We listen to it through its entirety and kind of comment on it as it goes. Uh, that's always a fun show to do with him. That's that's the show I do with a co-host, Hardcore Keem. Um, but yeah, if you if you want to laugh and check out some great reaction videos, um, <laughs> watch some uh, great reaction videos, you go and check out Hardcore Keem. Uh, Sinzak Mike did jump into my stream yesterday and without me telling the uh, moderator, they actually banned him, <laughs> which I thought, which when I saw it happen, I almost died laughing. Um, cause he came in just being, being Mike and, uh, they, they didn't know if it was a, a friend of mine or someone being a jackass. And I, I texted him back and said it was both. <laughs> but yeah. They, they banned him from the Twitch stream. They, um, we checked off both boxes there. Right. Yeah. Too far. Um, so interesting, since we have Mr. Sinzak here, a, a few weeks ago, he, um, he was on, on the show and we had a, a conversation about something that, let's see if you can hear this. <laughs> I'm assuming you can recognize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to cut it off before you and your former band ask, ask for all the monetization of my video to go over to you guys. Um, I don't think any of that stuff's copyrighted or anything. So I think you'd be all right <laughs> in case. Um, Chris said, actually, it's uh, that album right there. <laughs> but go ahead. There you go. Um, Chris mentioned that he saw you guys a bunch of times in Nashville and always, and it was funny when I was looking up music to, for that specific spot that I knew I was going to do tonight. Almost everything that I read was the band that should have been that never was. Right. Um, two questions. Right. One, who met who first? Did you reach out to Sinzak first or did he meet you first? And two, why did 12 Volt never get beyond Nashville? Uh, well, I'll start with the, the Sinzak thing. Um, when I first got into podcasts, and podcasting, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, did the normal search of podcasts and Decibel Geek was one that came up. I listened to a few episodes and I did honestly, I didn't even know he was in Nashville for a few episodes. And then every once in a while, they would sprinkle in a, a Nashville reference or, you know, Murfreesboro reference or something. And I was like, I need to look these guys up. And I think I've, you know, found him on Facebook and friended him and you know, stalked him and showed up at his work and, and everything else that you can do. But, um, um, you know, actually when I first met them, I knew that they were going to do that. Uh, was it freedom rock? They were going to that big mess of a show. Um, and I actually went to Nashville just to go to freedom rock, but not, I didn't care to go to the show. I was actually going to meet those guys, like meet Aaron and Chris. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure what they look like. And I was ended up kind of standing by an Aaron Camaro at one point. And, you know, just introduce myself and, um, you know, kind of networking in the podcasting thing. Because when I started podcasting, I didn't know anybody. Mm. Um, and yes, <laughs> well, it, it would have been the misconnections section on Craigslist. But uh, but no, it was it was, um, you know, I really enjoyed what they did. I, you know, I, I got into them. Uh, I was telling them it was the Perry Richardson episode for some reason was like one of the first ones I listened to. Um, I went back and, you know, listen to all the Vinnie Vincent stuff. 
farm rock, not freedom rock. Same stuff. <laughs> farm freedom rock. rock. Turn it up, man. That's the old uh, compilation that they used to advertise on TV. So I get it. You know, you have that in mind. But yeah, so I just went down there basically to meet them. So I met those guys and then ended up being on their show a few weeks later or however long later. And then obviously been in all the rock and pods and, you know, friends and all that stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically, yeah. I, I, I met Sinzak as a fan of what he did. Um, not knowing that he had ever seen my old band or knew who I yeah. was at all or anything like that. So, so that's yeah. what I was going to bring up that that's kind of interesting because he flat out says that he saw you guys in concert a few times. Yeah. And, uh, so that's interesting because I have people that, uh, that follow my show that kind of a similar deal where, we live two towns away from each other and we right. met living 3000 miles away you know, <laughs> right. and we probably were in the same record stores. We were at a few of the same shows and whatnot, but didn't know one another. Oh, right. So, uh, yeah. So oh yeah. I mean, there's definitely there, you know, the kiss reunion show in Nashville, we were both at the same show. There was the ACE and Peter tour in like what 95 or something like that, that we were both at. You know, I and there weren't that many people there, so we were probably standing right next to each other. <laughs> but, um, you know, so the, yeah, there was definitely a, a bunch of shows over the years that Chris and I were both at Metallica shows here and there and things like that. So, uh, you know, pretty crazy that you know it took us to almost our forties to to finally meet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, so obviously, I can't ask you if you if the rumors were true about you trying out to play bass for Primrose Way. Um, I mean, I've, I've tried they, they won't, they won't even return my calls. Like, <laughs> I'm like, we have got to get this band back together and, you know, let the world know about what's going on at Primrose way, but it just won't listen to me. So you need, a you, time. you need a furry leather strap <laughs> or, or a furry leopard strap is what I meant. <laughs> nice. Um, your other question about 12 volt, which is yeah. obviously something, um, you know, it, you always wonder and you always think and, you know, hindsight's 2020 and all that about why the, your band didn't make it. And there were, there were a few times where, you know, we were, we were headlining some of the biggest clubs in town, you know, selling out thousand seat clubs and, um, but then you look back and you're like, you know, the songs were good, but they weren't great. And, you know, everybody kind of we had one common goal, but we were all kind of spread out. You know, it was, it, I think the, the the vision wasn't there for everyone to kind of buy in on mm -hmm. and. Um, didn't meet the right person, you know, the right manager, the right producer, you know, honestly, Fred Corey from Cinderella produced some of our early stuff and he tried to get that out to people. But, you know, that was that was kind of weird. Um, how none of that kind of came through. And then we, we ended up doing, we did a showcase for TVT and uh, TVT records who had, you know, seven right. dust and like nothing face at the time. And I think nine inch nails may or may not have been still in the label or not, but um, you know, so we went up to New York and we, we did a showcase for, for TVT, the lady that had us up, she didn't even stick around. We videoed, you know, we filmed the show. We filmed a lot of stuff back then. We filmed the show and watched it back. And it was like, the worst show possible you know everybody was just nervous and freaking yeah. out you know like this is our break but we're gonna you know crumble it up and break it and stuff like that so 
you know, we get, yeah, we had a pretty good, you know, six, seven year run there where, you know, any, ta- any band that came through town, we were the opening band, you know, we opened for Limp Biscuit, We opened for uh, the reunited misfits at one point, you know, um, you know, shows with like hate breed and stuck mojo and, you know, basically any large band that came through town, 12 volt was probably going to be the opening band, you know, like it or not. Right. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just honestly, just, it's funny doing the podcast for so long. Cause you, you, you ask bands, you know, how, how did you guys make it? Or what was the thing that, right. you know, t- took you over the top? And it's always like, Oh, we met this guy that knew this person or we met this mm-hmm. entertainment lawyer. Or we met this, you know, it's, it's always like we met this one dude that happened to know another dude, you know? <laughs> right. And, and we never really met the dude that knew the other dude. <laughs> right. 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 Gotcha. But, Cause I mean, we toured, we had, you know, we, we would headline show. We headlined in a few cities. We did really good in like new Orleans and St. Louis and, you know, all the surrounding area. And, uh, but yeah, I just never really, never really got to that next step. We never really had that, you know, powerful attorney reach out or that manager reach out or anything like right. that. What was the moment that you realized that it wasn't going to work and that you had to move on? Um, there was a point where where we had we had just tried and tried and tried and you know I was as I am now in the podcast just being kind of the one that's like pushing everything like we got to do this we got to do that and and I just really didn't feel like the other guys like were right or were everybody loved being in the band mm-hmm. but I just I just didn't feel like it was going and and I think I just kind of held it in for a long time and like one day i just showed up to the practice space a little bit before everyone else packed up my gear when they showed up i was like i'm done and they were like well that sucks <laughs> and then i drove and then i drove away and then like once i drove away it was just like all the relief happened and then yeah. a few days later i called them back and i was like hey um, i'm kidding i was joking <laughs> you know and uh and they're like no like well there was like one guy one or two guys it was like no i think we're you know, you quit on us and we're going to move on without you and all this other stuff. And they ended up doing like, you know, one more CD after I left, which I still listen to and I actually really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's the one with Chris Kale from five finger, you know, took my place. Um, and, but then, you know, obviously that tour just kind of, you know, they, they did a, like a small tour and while they're on tour, they just kind of all fell apart and dissolved and, and, some of the most talented people I've ever been around in my life, you know, kind of sucks that, that it didn't go anywhere or go further, but um, right. yeah, it just, just never happened. And actually it's funny. The primer thing came because I quit 12 volt with no idea what to do. And then kind of in the same vein of the podcast and the new show and everything else, I had made some relationships over the years and Bobby Burns from primer 55 was one that when I was in 12 volt. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't tour for some reason. There was something going on, but we had just put out an EP. We couldn't tour. I was like, I'm going to go just on. I'm going to go on tour following corn. So me and my drummer, we jumped into like a Honda Civic <laughs> and we, we followed corn for like four or five shows, mm-hmm. just selling the CD in the parking lot, five bucks. You know, we had the headphones, we had the discsmen walk up and be like, Hey, you guys want to check out our band? They would put the headphones on, buy it or don't buy it. And, um, <laughs> primer bust. I wish primer van, what it is, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, so we're going up to, to different people and, you know, selling the CD, 
and making a little bit of money, you know, we would end up, you know, making enough for like a cheap hotel and gas to the next city and maybe some food. And we would just do that over and over. And then we got to, um, prime, uh, let's see, it was corn and stained mm-hmm. and they had a day off. So stained was supposed to play a headline show in Louisville and the local upcoming, you know, up and coming, you know, freshly signed band on the bill was primer 55 and stained actually ended up canceling. So primer played just a long extended set. We were already in town. We'll go over there. We'll try to sell our CDs. Right. So uh, Jason and Bobby from primer kind of walked by at one point and they just had this air about them that was so like infectious. You're like, Oh, these guys, you know, if you want to go somewhere in life, you go with these guys because they had the it factor. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what that is, but you're like, these guys, you know, obviously have it. So after the show, talk to them for a little bit, tell Bobby, you know, gave him my CD or whatever, and, and just kind of kept in touch with them. And then, um, about, you know, a few months later, I read on the PRP that, that they've lost their bass player. <laughs> so the guy that runs the PRP, who still runs the PRP, um, had done, you know, some 12 volt stuff, some, uh, reviews of our CDs and, and right. things like that here and there. So I reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I see the primary needs a bass player. Can you help me out? And he's like, I don't really want to mess up your band because you're, you guys are doing some cool stuff, but I'll give you Bobby's email address and pass it on. So after introduction to Mayhem, I go up to Louisville, start auditioning for Primer. I actually don't get the, get the gig. Um, and then the new release comes out. And I got a CD sampler with uh, one of the songs on the new release. Popped it in the CD player, hit play, and it was called it was a song called This Life. Mm-hmm. And I was so distraught. I was like, this is an amazing song. They're going to be so huge. <laughs> and I didn't get it. Right. And um, obviously, and, you know, 9-11 happens and all that other stuff. And the, the scene kind of changes and, and all that. So, I mean, there was a lot going on. I mean, they, they blame everything from 9-11 to Napster to everything else of why sure. that, you know, there weren't more album sales and, and the shift and everything. But, um, still kept in touch with Bobby, saw him again a few times on tour. Um, so 12 volt, I leave 12 volt with no idea what to do. I have like three people's email addresses. One is Bobby and I email, uh, Bobby and I say, Hey man, you know, I'm out of a band. If you know anybody that needs a bass player, let me know. He writes me back. I'm thinking about doing a side project. Why don't you come up to Louisville and I'll play you the demos because Louisville, Nashville, about three hour drive. Right. And so I go up and I'm like, hell yeah. So drive up there and he plays me the demos. Those demos could have been anything. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'm in, (laughs) you know, there was, it ended up being some cool stuff, but it was like, it could have been, you know, some sort of weird new wave, you know, art, art deco music, if that's even a thing. But the, um, the, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I'll play bass on this. You know, let me know when and where he goes. Okay. But we've got one more primer tour. When we get back, you, you meet up with us and we'll start this band. I'm like, all right, cool. I go home. I'm like delivering pizza at the time. I get a call one day when I'm like on delivery. He was like, dude, can you learn the set in, you know, two days we're leaving on tour. We need a bass player. Can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. You know, basically hung up the phone, delivered the pizza, went back to, you know, Domino's or wherever and said, Hey, you know, I got to go on tour. <laughs> and, you know, the people that, that ran the place were pretty cool. So they were like, yeah, no, you know, we understand. And, and obviously let me go. And, 
um yeah i mean within like no time at all it was just like quit 12 volt meet up with bobby and immediately like on tour you know you know on a u.s tour with dope and skin lab you know it oh, was wow. not cool yeah and that's uh, that side project that you had been that you came up to louisville for that never materialized well, what happened with that was we were still, we actually still were going to do it. That's actually why I live here now. Um, the, um, because after the primer tour, I, we came home and I was driving back and forth from Louisville to Nashville. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to move to Louisville, which I'm probably the only person that's moved away from Nashville for music. <laughs> but I moved up here. Uh, you know, we were practicing, we were jamming. Um, actually Jason Don from flaw was in the band for a while. And, you know, we were, we, and it was honestly like early emo or something. It was, it was like, you know, it was kind of like that vein of like a little bit more in like a weird emo vein, but we did it. And, um, I was sitting there at Bobby's house and he was checking his email. He looks over at me and he was like, I just got an email from Gloria from, you know, Gloria Cavalera. Mm-hmm. They want they want me to join Soulfly. What do you think about that? I'm like, what do you mean? What do I think about that? I'm like, you join Soulfly, you right? Know? And uh, and obviously they they pulled him in to play bass. I didn't know if he knew if they had Mark Rizzo yet or not, because um, he did he did say that he was going to attempt to be the guitar player and then have me be the bass player in Soulfly, which would have been amazing. Right. But obviously they pulled him in to be the bass player. They had Mark Rizzo, and the the story there is done. So so he kind of went away. And I stayed here and then, um, I, I, you know, I did some local band stuff here and there, but I, I just kind of really like, and which is crazy. Cause I was like 20, I was like 23 or 24 and you're mm-hmm. and you're like, and you get to that point in life where you're like, if I'm 24 now, it's going to take about three or four years for a band to get successful. So that'll be 28 and 28 mm-hmm. is, is, you know, dinosaur and music and, you know and so you're just like it almost just kind of bums you out to the point where you don't even want to do it (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. weird it's a very weird place to be and then now you know you start looking at dudes like i hate to keep bringing them up but chris gale five finger death bunch he joined five finger death bunch when he was like 38 years old right that's like it's like bands are just now breaking and they're all in their 40s it's it's a it's a weird time right absolutely what's the um the the van story from Chicago that Sinzak is bringing up. Um, <laughs> so Bobby is a uh, he's a tough person to be around. I love him to death. You know, he's had his ups and downs, but he he's very ed- on edge, and he never <clears throat> he always drove. We, we we you know he we did a van tour, so he drove the van, and we were in um we were in. Chicago and he was like to me I need you to drive and it was stop and go traffic and he was trying to lay down in one of the bench seats like right behind me and he's like to me I swear if you don't stop slamming on the brakes I'm gonna come up there and punch you in the back of the head or something you know <laughs> and I'm like dude there's nothing I can do it's stop and go traffic it's you know, right. it just one of those times but yeah the van story just basically uh you know Bobby threatened to just kill me in the middle of Chicago if I didn't stop stomping on the brakes but too too funny <laughs> Um, were you ever allowed to drive the van again after that? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't think so. No, I, no, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I did ba- a bad enough job to where they never asked me to do it again. One and done. <laughs> now was that done pur- purposefully to not have to drive again? Or was that just, 
I, just that's just how driving. that's it. That was just how I was driving and the conditions that they were there. You know, I, I mean, I was still brand new in the band. You know, I wanted to be, you know, if they would have told me to drive every day, I would have done it or, you know, pack all the gear. I probably would have done it. You know, I was, right. I was just happy to be on tour. Yeah. Um, there haven't been any reports about any uh, mail trucks uh, having their engines seized or anything after you take them. <laughs> no, not that I know. No. <laughs> cool. Um, as far as um, you've brought up Rock and Pot a few times, you're going to be there this year as well. Um, what has that meant to you as a podcaster? Because obviously you formed relationships with other shows. You have been on other shows as well, you know, uh, yeah. quite frequently. Um, what does rock and pod mean to you? Um, I mean, uh, well, let me first put this out of here since Sinzak's on the line, you know, I'm waiting for him to refund me my m- money and then to actually pay me to show up to rock and pod this year <laughs> as a featured guest. So uh, when that happens, we'll talk again. There's Sinzak. But no, um, you know, Rocket Pod, it's, it, it's an idea that when it kind of first came up, you know, of, of all of us getting together and there was like definitely a, like a FOMO, like a fear of missing out yeah. um, because I knew of all the shows going to be showing up down there. And um, obviously, you know, Cobras and Fire and even Talking Metal was there that first year. And and mm-hmm. you know, Michael Butler, <laughs> he was there that first year. And, there were just so many shows, Ages of Rock, and I'm going to miss a bunch of them. And I know if, if any of them are watching, I'm sorry, but the um, <laughs> the uh, the camaraderie was cool. And that's the one thing about podcasting that I, I think is very underrated about all of this is, is I didn't expect the friendships to be made out of podcasting. Like mm-hmm. even, you know, even you, Vic, I mean, how, how the hell would we have ever met? You know, had it not been for a couple of microphones and talking about kiss or something, you know, it's, it's like the, because you, you go into this and it's such a solo venture, you know, it's just you and a microphone and you're like, Oh, I guess I'm going to talk about, you know, ride the lightning or something this time. But then you put out enough episodes and then, then, then a Sinzak pops up in your life or, you know, Baco or something like that'll come up. And, and, you know, I, I text with Sinzak and Baco probably more than I do any local friends that I have, you know, it's like, that's, so the camarader- camaraderie and the community of podcasting is, was something, the most unexpected thing of all mm-hmm. was, was that, you know, and, and I, I, I take that over even, you know, some of the musicians I've met through podcasting that I've, you know, I'm friendly with, or I'll, I'll hit a text with every once in a while, but you know, Chris Aiken, you know, all those dudes like that are, 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 you know, friends for life. And it would have never happened. How, I mean, how had it not been for <laughs> you? You always get the best dick pics. I I try really hard. I've got the ring light. <laughs> I try to get the right angle, shave it up for you. Um, and that segment was brought to you by Manscaped. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no the the podcasting community was something that I would have never expected to have been here. You know, even Mark Striegel and all those guys. It's like you know you can reach out to them and. They know you. We, I, you know, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, last week I had uh, Bob Nalbandian on. Yeah, and another guy. Yeah, I, I was describing beforehand to my brother, um, and I mentioned this when I released the the audio format today. You think about everything that Bob has done. You know, there's no reason why he should know who I am. Nonetheless, 
you know, uh, email me from time to time, you know, want to catch up, always encourage, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, the, the friendships that have been made over the years, um, thanks to, uh, a podcasting. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, he is. He's encouraging you just like he did a young Lars Ulrich back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's, that, that's what, um, you know, what I try to explain to these people. I'm like, when people, when people say, yeah, I was talking to, uh, you know, Miss Dane or I was talking to Eddie or not Teddy trunk. Uh, I'm alluding to Eddie, Eddie trunk is what I should say. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, like you said, or a young Lars. No, he actually knew these people before they were right. anything. And that's why he continues to be friends with these people. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm a better drummer than who you've never heard me play. <laughs> unless, think, unless you, what? he's talking about Lars, but I, you know, I guess anybody, anybody is better than Lars. If you've heard them or not. Uh, you know, another thing that you were talking about, what the crazy side of podcasting is, I, I guess the one, and obviously he's going through some trouble right now, but the one dude, you know, Dave Ellison, who's been great to every podcast ever, mm -hmm. you know, he's been on everybody's show multiple times. And I, I think that's one, honestly, at, right about now has really paid off for him because we're all like, no, dude, he's, he's a solid dude. And, you know, just the fact that David Ellison knows who I am. You mm -hmm. know, when we, when we connect, he's like, Hey man, how you been? I haven't talked to you in a while and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it, it those are the types of things that, that kind of blow you away. Cause obviously being a bass player growing up, right. David Ellison, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> that's David Ellison, you know, how do yeah, you go yeah. wrong with it? And, and for the fact that when you get on the phone with him or seeing him in person, you know, he knows who you are and, and respects what you do. It's, it's pretty insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the first time I got to speak to him was in November <laughs> and someone had said to me, well, you know, he's on a lot of shows. He's, you know, he's been around, blah, blah. I'm like, it's David fucking Ellison. You know, to me, it was a big deal. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm right in that boat with you. And, you know, the, the only thing I can, I can say out of everything that's happened is, unfortunately, I think that people were ready to string him up without knowing all the yeah. facts. Um you like you said, if if it was the opposite and we could name a bunch of different people that I'm sure that we know that have been totally dicks to us behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and then once the camera, the mic goes on, things change. Um, if it was if it was that, I'm sure the the entire podcasting community, as you said, would have come out and just said, you know what? Fuck it. Burn them down. You know, right. And, and that hasn't happened. Well, I mean, it, you know, Senzak being on the line here, but it's, you know, the, the Vinny Vincent effect. You know, we were all rooting for Vinny and we wanted him to do well and come back and just pop your head out and play some shows and all that other great yeah. stuff, you know. And he basically burns the bridges with some of the people that were keeping his name alive for so long. And where we all are like, you know, we're not going to support this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. if Vinny Vincent reaches out and says, hey, can you do an interview? You know, a lot of us are going to say no. Yeah. Vinny who? Wait Apathy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be with a Y. Uh, so, Mr. Zinzak, here's here's your uh, response to that. All right. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. That's something that I spoke to uh, Chris about, and I've. I've mentioned it a bunch of times, you know, after. After Vinny fucked with Zinzak. 
I was a huge Vinny fan, but after that, it was, I, d- I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a use for it. And even now they've, they've announced music and everything. And I know that there's people that are excited, but I was like, all right, done for me. For me, he's done, you know, because everything, not only everything that he's done to fans over the years, which is just one dirtbag move over another. Right. Um, but just the fact that when he messes with somebody who's a friend of yours, and so many people, you know, are friends of Chris through Rock and Pod and just through different things. You know, um, what happened was was unwarranted, and he got to see what you know people were saying for years. And it it always amazes me that you still have people that defend them or, or bring up the whole, oh, he saved Kiss. Yeah, that's like you know, as much as I love Marty Friedman, as much as I love you know Jakey Lee or Zach or whatever. You know, not for nothing, but without Gene and Paul, Vinnie Vincent doesn't happen. So they were still steering the ship, whether they were taking advantage of his talent or not. The the ultimate, you know, and you know this from being in bands. You step into Primer 55 or even we're talking about Soulfly. As talented as Mark Rizzo is, yeah, and he's a ridiculous guitarist, without Max steering that ship, none of that happens. Right. You know, so I think people have a real, a logical take on things. A lot of it has to do, um, I think a lot of it has to do with people being much like armchair quarterbacks who have never played an instrument and don't know what it's like to be in a band, to come into a band. And no matter how great you are, if you've been hired for a spot, you're supposed to fill that spot. You're not supposed to go beyond it. You're not supposed to go, you know, and maybe after a while that you're there, things change. But when you're coming in the door and you're coming into an established brand name, yeah, you know, it's doesn't yeah. make, make a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's a Vinny Vincent walking into kiss, you know, obviously he's, you know, wide eyed and probably will do anything to get, on stage and be a member of kiss, you know? Right. And you know, you're saying the same thing with, with Soulfly. It's like, dude, that's Max Cavalera. Yes. I'll be in your band. I'll pay you to play for, you know, you know, yeah. it, you, you can definitely walk in and kind of get blindsided and maybe used in that situation too, where, you know, you might, I was actually thinking about this today. Cause there, you know, a lot of Ozzy records where it says all music written by Ozzy. And you're like, yeah. nah, there's, there's no way he wrote a lick of that. You know, and Soulfly records that say all music written by Max Cavalera. And you're like, mm, I may or may not know a few things about that, you know. So, yeah. but when you walk into that situation and you're like, dude, that's Ozzy, you know, the guy from Black yeah. Sabbath. And, you know, I'm, I want to be famous. So I'm going to, I'm going to say yes to whatever he sends, you know, kind of the same thing, you, you know, with Bobby's band that he tried to get me in. Mm-hmm. You know, those demos could have been anything. I'm mm-hmm. signing up, you know, if they would have, yeah. if, if he would have threw a contract in front of me that said, uh, you're in the band. You'll be a, a a quarter member of the band, but you get no publishing and you get no this, no that. I'm signing it, you know. I right because you want that, you know. You want that step. You want that stepping stone. You want to take that next le- step into playing shows and big shows and being in a big band and things like that. And you got there. There have been bands that I've I've uh, interviewed on the podcast that you know they all talk about you know getting fucked by the record label. And I'm like, well, you, you might have, but you also didn't read the contract because you were <laughs> right. so excited to read the, uh, you know, to read the, or to sign that you didn't even yeah. read it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, I mean, 
a, a good friend of mine that I have for a long time was uh, Mike from Spine Shank, Mikey Shank, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Sarkeesian. He he talked about, you know, when Roadrunner gave him their contract, he pulled it out of the manila, manila envelope just enough to where he saw the signature line, signed it, put it back in and sent it back because he didn't want them to change their mind. You know? <laughs> and and obviously that 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 standard Roadrunner contract for back then was a nightmare. It's like seven right. records and, you know, you own nothing and, you know, you own you know, no publishing and all this other crazy stuff. It's a crazy contract. And but yeah. people out, but Hey, Roadrunner came for 12 volt. We were all signing. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's absolutely it. When they start to talk about a lot of the, um, the things regarding streaming, for example, all that stuff is signed over once with these contracts. And yeah. like you're saying, 95% of the bands are just excited to get to get on a Roadrunner, to get on a Century Media, to get on a Nuclear yeah. Blast. They just want to have an album out on an iconic label like that. You know, you're in a metal band. Yeah. What, what label do you want to sign to? You're going to want to sign to, you know, one of those, uh, you know, a Nuclear <laughs> right. Blast, a, a right. Metal Blade, a, a Roadrunner. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm missing anyone else, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of labels out there, yeah, but yeah. what I'm getting at, you know, you get on one of those, on one of those, you know, you work for one of those companies and you say, shit, you know, Roadrunner, Slipknot, Typo, Fear Factory, yeah. you know, you start to think about their history and what, what their bands meant to you, you know, um, how, how those labels, you know, I, I keep, I, I stole this term from Charlie Benante where he mentioned it on Twitter about a year ago. The soundtrack of your life. How much did Roadrunner help create the soundtrack to your oh. life? You know, it was, so you know, it was everything. Yeah. Yeah. So you work towards that and you sign whatever's put your way. It's, it's similar to when people start to talk about, you know, oh, well, how can so and so, how can uh, Tommy and Eric play for Kiss? Um, if they offer you, if you're a guitarist and a drummer, listen, you have to dress up this way. You're going to make more money than you have in your life. It's going to be a steady job, but you have to do everything we tell you. Right. Most people are going to say, okay, when do I show up? You know, (laughs) right. Uh, Honestly, you know, for, for, for a lot of people that have tried to be a musician to say, oh no, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, you wouldn't have. So you're, you know, you'd prefer to be playing a coffee house or, you know, whatever for a few or or on a corner in Nashville somewhere, you know, getting a few nickels thrown at you. You know, I I do tend to think about this a lot with, you know, with independent labels and independent artists and things like that. You get you get an artist that sells. We'll just, we'll, I mean, these are obviously astronaut, um, astronomical numbers at this point, but you know, you get a, a self released album and you mm-hmm. sell a hundred thousand copies of your self released CD. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. But that's only a hundred thousand. Right. And, but if you were to put it on a major label and it goes on to sell a million, you might actually make less. Mm-hmm. But, but do you want the million sold or do you want the hundred thousand sold? And, you know, maybe make it up in T-shirt sales and things like that later on. There's right. there's there's a really a crazy like, you know, the math of being in a band is insane. I had, you know, every band out there complains about Spotify and mm-hmm. complains about streaming royalties. And 
it's an exercise I've done with, you know, you take the point oh 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 three whatever that Spotify pays, mm-hmm. and go go look at some of your favorite songs that actually have how many downloads it has. Do the math on some of that. Mm-hmm. Some of the numbers you'll come back with are insane. Like how much that point oh 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 three times, you know. 985 million downloads you know you're gonna make a pretty decent chunk of change yeah and but though the problem is is the record deal that that person signed who owns the right. masters you've got all this back behind the scenes stuff to where maybe that album that they're complaining that they're not making any money off streaming still hasn't recouped the studio cost from that album so right. everything that they're making from streaming is still going back to recouping and and things like that so you got you have all that stuff out there with, and obviously smaller artists, you're probably good, you know, go to Bandcamp and donate and, you know, try yeah. to buy a t-shirt, anything that goes directly into the artist. But if you're, if you're going to whine and complain about Metallica's royalties from Spotify, don't worry about it. They own the masters. Um, yeah. I just recently had Rob Rivera on the, the Slipknot show on the Notfest show. And um, he was talking about that. They just got back their rights to, like bullet with the name, which is like one of their biggest songs. Mm-hmm. And he said bullet with the name almost alone paid all of his bills through the pandemic. He said, I'm not rich. Right. But, but my mortgage was paid kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to look at it. Like, so, I mean, you got guys like Jamie Jost out there. They're doing the Josta project where he's putting out, you know, music under his own name, owning all the masters. And he is, you know, screaming from the rooftops, own your masters and you'll make a few bucks, you know, from yeah. streaming. It's, it's all in the deal that you made and who mm-hmm. owns this and who owns that. And, you know, nobody was worrying about how much, you know, Ozzy made off of a bark at the moon one album sale back in the day. I don't know where, where this right. change came to where we all of a sudden got so wrapped up in how much artists are making per stream. Right. It's, it's a, it's a weird time. Cause if you think of that, Bark at the Moon or, or any of those albums, what were they making? Like Metallica had one of the best deals where they were making what, like a buck per album after Something the black like album. Yeah. So oh, yeah. if, if you kind of break that up per song, it's a few <laughs> cents per song. Yeah. Um, and as you're saying, you you actually brought up uh, Peter Frampton the other day um, when you were on oh. Covers of Fire, <laughs> and Peter Frampton about a year or two ago, showed a check. Look at how much I got for Baby, I baby I Love My Way or Baby, I Love Your Way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, you were ripped off by what? Two, three fucking managers where they took <laughs> all of your money, where it's the typical slothish mentality where, like like you're saying, oh, you know, I just... I just play music. I let my guy take care of all of that. Yeah, well, you, right. you, I was taking care of himself while you were going to be getting 38 cents for a million streams in, in 40 years because you didn't look at the contract or you didn't have anyone of, you know, who was looking out for you. Nikki six, every time Motley Crue comes out with something complains about Spotify, but they sold their catalog off, you know, like uh, what, like a year or two ago. So if you're selling the rights to your publishing off to somebody, of course you're not going to get, you know, as much as you were in the past because you sold the rights to to recoup all that money, you know, to get a big lump sum. So 
there's there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with all of this where there's a lot of people that are I don't want to say crying poverty, but that are, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, big, bad Spotify or big, bad YouTube is doing this is doing that. But at the same time, I mean. It's like the perfect promotional tool for anything that that a band is trying to do now. Uh, you can argue again whether they're getting their share, the right share or not. But in the past, even when MTV was going and everything, let's add up all the streams that some of these bands are getting. Right. Were they getting the same airplay on stations? Were they getting the same play on, you know, on MTV? And, you know, a, a lot of that has also changed um, because for a long time, us as podcasters were, were pushing a lot of bands and a lot of their music. And, you know, not until, you know, the whole thing went down with Spotify right. last year, did a lot of people kind of, put the brakes on, on playing a lot of music during their shows. Um, so I, I mean, again, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with people on both sides of the equation here, not being informed bands, trying to sell one thing to fans. Yeah. And at the same time, the, the, the bands not doing their due diligence when they're, you know, when they're signing things. So. Yeah. And a lot of those guys like Peter Frampton and, and even, um, Obviously, I just interviewed KK Downing, which mm -hmm. is kind of funny if you followed followed along with the uh, the Diablo Sim Podcastica podcast about right. my my views on how much I love Judas Priest. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's looking back on their catalog. You know, you've got the first two out, Rock and Roll and Sad Wings of Destiny. They've never made a dime from those two albums. Mm -hmm. They don't own anything on those two albums. And you know, reading his book, you know, KK says that you know that that every time that album gets re-released and everything else and, and yeah. special editions still don't get anything from that. You know, they've never made a dime from those two albums. It's crazy for a band to, especially in those days where you've got, you know, nobody knew, you know, back in the seventies, nobody knew streaming was ever going to be a thing. So you, right. you know, contracts. I know they've always kind of had these clauses in there. It's like a new format clause, you know, like, mm -hmm. because, you know, you start out on vinyl and then cassettes show up and then CDs show up and then, obviously streaming shows up and you gotta, you kind of got to keep going and, and, and go with the times and stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess, I guess some of those older bands really need to, you know, find out what's going on, uh, financially for them. I mean, even with, uh, you know, the Koreans Clearwater songs, I mean, you know, John Fogarty for years wouldn't play those songs because he's, he, you know, the, the, the record label owned all those songs, mm -hmm. you know, any, anytime you hear, um, you know, a, a CCR song on the radio, John Fogarty doesn't get any of that ever. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so that's why forever he would never play those songs live. And then he, he has some silly story about going to Robert Johnson's grave and, and he's like, who cares who owns Robert Johnson's songs? They're still great songs and blah, blah, blah. So that's why he started playing those songs again. But it's, it's, I, th I think honestly, the, the industry's always been messed up. It's always been crazy. It's always, you know, this guy's out to screw that guy. Not necessarily ran by fans. You know, it's ran by business people and right. kind of got to keep an eye on everything you're doing because I mean, back to Roadrunner, you know, you signed over your merchandise rights, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day you would get that, what was a blue grape uh, catalog in the mail, you know, yeah. and it was, it was all the typo and the obituary and DSI and stuff like that. But you know, they were, they, they had all the merchandising rights and you know, you, mm -hmm. you but for all those bands that, you know, you say, you know, who the soundtrack of your life, 
you know, when I would go to a record store and I pick up a CD or a cassette or, you know, record and it had that Roadrunner stamp on it, didn't care what it was. I was going to check it out. I was going to buy it, you know, so, and I guess it kind of goes back to that hundred thousand or a million, you know, like, do you never get heard and make, you know, a few bucks Mm -hmm. or do you get heard and you might get screwed? (laughs) It's such a weird, weird place to be, you know, and the whole, uh, and the whole thing with, getting your CD out there and you know, would I want to, would I want Vic in Spain to own a 12 volt CD if I never earned a dollar from it? Yes. You know, even if it meant that I got screwed, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Did you guys have distribution over here? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) actually I bought that off of eBay. Um, uh, cause I was the guy that's like, you want to hear my band? Here's my CD. You want to hear my band? Here's my CD. And I never kept a copy of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one day I was like, oh, I was on eBay, popped in 12 volt negative earth and boom, it popped right up. And uh, it was like 10 bucks. And I was like, I'll buy my own album for $10. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, yeah, somehow it ended up in like Ohio or something. She's like, yeah, I bought a, <clears throat> I, I emailed the the, uh, the lister and I was like, you know, so funny you have this for sale. I'm actually the guy in the picture and, uh, you know, whatever. So it, it was funny that she's like, yeah, I bought it in a thing in, in Ohio. <laughs> Oh, wow. So see, it got somewhere. Right. <laughs> it's probably one of my many that I just sent out to people like, please sign my band. Please <laughs> give me a shitty record deal. I'll sign anything. They, they, it ended up in the, um, we used to have a, a flea market every Sunday and yeah. all the unsigned bands and all the uh, promo stuff ended up in one, one bin off to the side. So you could get like a lot of, you know, I remember getting like the the first Orgy album and like uh, <laughs> uh, Fu Manchu album for like a buck a piece because right. it was before no one really knew who any of them, who either band was. And, and it was in that promo bin. So I was like, oh, OK, well, it's only a buck. It isn't any good. You know, not really. And the funny thing about that, it kind of goes back to the streaming thing, which yeah. is if you bought that dollar CD at a, at a yard sale or, you know, wherever. Right. The band doesn't see any of that. You know, yeah, like you know, they they've you know they've never made anything off of that CD. If you if you sell it and then you sell that Fu Manchu CD to your buddy and he sells it to his buddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, everybody's making money except for the band at that point. Yeah, um, it's even crazier over here. I was um, explaining this to Sinzak because we were talking about documentaries, and there are a lot of music documentaries that aren't on streaming over here because there's a. Um, uh, an association for, uh, well, there is in the States as well for musicians, basically. Uh, it's similar to like an ASCAP. And, uh, but the difference is that they've been able to get certain laws put into place where um, this was about 15 years ago, where, when, where phones started to have the ability to download music onto them and stuff like right. that. So they passed laws where any form of media where you could put digital content on it was instantly taxed. There's a 10% tax added. And then that went directly to the uh, musicians association. Um, The problem with that is that it was done under the guise of, well, this money is going to help out all of the, uh, you know, new up and coming bands that aren't making the money that they should because of pirating so on and so forth. And you talk to any band out there and <laughs> no one's ever seen a dime outside right. of, you know, the, 
the the higher ups that are retiring making you know eighty grand a month for their retirement. So um, there there's a scam everywhere. <laughs> there's there's the the uh, the shell game going on somewhere, regardless yeah. where you are. So you, I remember back when when Napster kind of first popped up and. And we were we were all mesmerized by it, but you know you're on dial-up internet that you know, it you would literally hit download on a song and then have to go to work and then come home and it may or may not have downloaded while you were gone. And then a friend of mine got like a little bit higher speed internet, so we would go over his house and find you know, s- you know singles on there and stuff like that. But you it would still take all day to get an album. Right. And then I remember you know as things progressed, and I remember when a, a torrent site kind of first popped up. And you could click in like, you know, Deftones and mm-hmm. in one click, download the entire catalog for free. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is getting out of hand <laughs> because <laughs> because early days of Napster, it was it was still cool to get some songs for free, but it was still a pain in the ass. Right. So it was still easier just to go buy the album because, you know, if you downloaded, we'll just say a Deftone song again, if you download, you may or may not even get a Deftone song. You know, you mm-hmm. may have got, right. or you might got it taped off the radio or a live version or another guy's band that he labeled as Deftones. You know, you never right. knew what you were getting. So at that time, it was still a little bit easier just still to go buy the album. You knew what you're getting. But yeah, man, once, once, you know, late 2000s when torrent sites were really big and I was like, go to like Pirate Bay and, and just hit one button and get an entire discography downloaded mm-hmm. to your computer. You're like, oh, this is really bad. So, you can either do that or, you know, I guess support streaming, which is funny because if you look at bands now, they're not telling you to go to iTunes. They're not telling you to go to the CD store. They're telling you to pre-save the, you know, what is right. it? Pre, pre-stream the album on, on yeah. Spotify and Apple Music and all the things like that. I mean, it. I think that if if bands were so adamant that streaming was bad, Mm-hmm. you wouldn't see the abundance of Lamb of God and the new Fear Factory. I mean, Fear Factory, Dino is giving away a guitar, a guitar pedal, and like some pickups mm-hmm. just to a lucky fan that pre-saves the album on Spotify. You know, right. it's it. obviously there's something to be said about that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it can be leveraged to, to work in your way, again, as a promotional tool. Yeah. Um, it all comes back around to things that you get. You know, if you reach out to a publicist that you don't know and mm-hmm. you don't have an in with, what's the first thing they ask you? What's your download numbers? What's your streaming numbers? What's your reach? You know, a band like Fear Factory, you know, even though they're kind of a, they're a legacy band at this point, but say a new band like, I don't know, a, a band I really enjoy right now, Vexed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a big band like Fear Factory, a big band even like Metallica, they're going to go well, we need a band for this upcoming tour. Oh, well, Vex has a million followers on Instagram. You know, right. they're going to reach a lot of people with this tour. So we're going to get them on there. So, you know, that's the thing with Spotify. It's like, oh, well, they've got, you know, 300,000 downloads over or streams of this one song. So obviously it shows that they're popular. And, right. You know, they're good. They're going to get there. It, it's weird how all of that, you know, they, they need those numbers because they're visible to everybody. Mm hmm. You know, back in the day, you could say, oh, our album shipped platinum, but that doesn't, you know, that that means you either you shipped a million records. It doesn't mean you sold a million records. But then also you can say we went platinum, 
but that doesn't mean that could mean you sold a million or that could mean you sold 1.8 million. You know, that doesn't really, you don't really know where you are in, in the, in the pecking order of everything or, or even, right. uh, well, I mean, I guess you kind of knew it with, with like charts and things like that. Like, you know, we're number one on billboard, but we also only sold 24,000 albums. You know, there's, there's some crazy stuff in there too. So I, I think that the, that visuals right there for everybody to see, you know, our new album came out and we've already streamed a million, you know, streams of the single and you mm-hmm. know, YouTube and all that stuff. So it's, it's a numbers game. And, you know, I was listening to an interview with Chris Aiken the other day with uh, the dude from Buck Cherry. And, and Chris was like right. trying to ask him like a horny question about how did you get the hot chick in your video? And Josh Todd hits him with, Oh, well, we wanted someone from Instagram that had over a hundred thousand followers, but we knew we couldn't afford someone with 300,000 followers. So we chose this. And it was, it was the most boring non rock and roll answer ever to how did you get the hot chick in your video? It's not like she's the hot chick that works at Wendy's or something. It was like, right. Well, she's an Instagram, uh, you know, influencer that, uh, you know, could, could boost our, you know, record sales with this, uh, you know, it, it was, it's very corporate and very boring. Yeah. I want to know how that fucker flew from California to Spain and still ended up saying Mexico. Are you ready to hear crazy bitch? You know, there's like uh, (laughs) uh, a 13 hour flight in between there uh, that that somehow happened. But um, he's a fun dude. uh, You mentioned Vexed last band that last new band that you listened to that really caught you that really you said, wow, these guys have something. Honestly, it's vexed because the they they took a style of you know kind of the the gent style, which is mm-hmm. at this point been around for a while, and you're listening to them and you're like, I really you know I, I thoroughly enjoy some good gent, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, but there's not you know it's it kind of feels played out at this point. We're kind of getting to that to that spot where it's like all right, everything's been done. Mm-hmm. And then they hit you with that vexed album and, you know, it's a female vocalist and she's doing some crazy. I, I, I interviewed her for, uh, for the show. And I told her, I was like, you know, it's almost kind of like a hip hop vibe here a little bit. And she's like, I'm glad you caught that huge fan of hip hop. And some of the vocal patterns she uses very, you know, hip hop influenced and, uh, you know, the guitar, the guitar work, they'll just sprinkle some stuff in here and there. We're just like, all right, I didn't really see that coming. It's not mute, you know, what is it? Music by numbers. It's not paint by numbers with them. It's like they, they take the canvas that you think you're going to get. And then they kind of hit you here and there with some different stuff. So yeah, I think vexed is probably the, the newest band that I've been really kind of going back to. Okay. Why would you pick them over, say a band like Capra? I haven't listened to them. So, okay. (laughs) So we're, we're giving Mr. Toomey some homework. Look up Capra. (laughs) All right, female fronted hardcore band. All right, so kind kind of in the same vein because you have the female with guttural vocals, but it's something completely different at the same time. I I think it's cool that Vex is on Napalm. Napalm is really invested on a lot of um, different female bands, and they're all kind of different from one another. Because if you look at a you know Infected Rain, or you look at a Ginger, or you look at Mm -hmm. a Sumo Psycho. They're really yeah. all different from one another. And Vexed is something completely different as well. Yeah, I just had um, Fernanda from Crypta on yesterday, obviously another well, Napalm yeah. band. And then a while back had the um, you know Diva Satanica, great name from uh, from Nervosa. 
And yeah, yeah, Napalm is definitely in that vein of of the the female fronted. And Heidi from Butcher Babies was on the show, and she didn't call it a female fronted a genre. She called it a female fronted movement, which I thought was a great way to call you know name it because it's not necessarily a sound. It just happens to be a whole bunch of bands led by women. Um, And it's gonna you know obviously had Morgan from uh, Kitty on yesterday too, and it's you know. Now they're like the OGs of this whole thing. It's right. like, you, know, you go back to some of those older bands with the uh, the the lady front men, you know, fr- uh, front ladies of the bands, and mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously been bands throughout years with with females. But when it comes to like screaming and being in metal, you know, you get you know Kitty and and even like Karen Crisis or something like that. Like some of those some of those early ones that are that are kind of the OGs of this whole thing. And and then now you've got like you said sumo psycho and and vexed and crypta and nervosa and ginger yeah. and, and just and 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 the vocals are it's like so like i tried to say this with dino because dino was kind of throwing out there that there might be a female female fronted fear factory mm-hmm. and we were talking about you know like the early days of the of the you know girls and bands it was kind of it's kind of like yeah i don't know i mean it's cool but it's like eh. and then but now it's like some of the some of the ladies out there are are passing them in now it's pretty crazy yeah. the the talent that's out there ginger and and like even uh you know megan megan target of vexed i mean she's just mm-hmm. she's doing some awesome stuff with her vocals that that's interesting i've heard dino say that in a few different interviews uh we'll see where that all goes i mean i think until they finally have to pull the trigger and have to go out on tour we're probably not gonna know yeah but i i mean do, do you get a sense that they have an inkling of like a few people that they have to choose from that maybe they're going to they're going to pick someone and and it doesn't necessarily mean because the the album has um Burn has on, it. on it which so, is an amazing album by the way that uh aggression continuum is is on par with any fear factory album even back to the manufacturing obsolete right. you know, if you're a fear factory fan you're going to love the album i mean i I still spend that a lot too. Um, I th- I really think that he's what well, had uh, another guy I had on on the throwback throwdown show. Um, I thought I asked him. I was like, "Is there a list? Is there a master list of yeah. singers?" And I was like, "Is there ten? Is there 15? He's like, "There's four. And oh wow, he said he said that. Um, but basically, since with COVID, you know, some people can't fly in just yet. He wants to really get them in jam with them hang out with them make sure they're cool people because you know he does have kind of a history with singers with tommy vexed yeah and, that's and burton and you know, yeah. so i'm sure you know he's got a little bit of a past with some of these guys but um but yeah he said he has a master list of four but then i also asked him i was like well if you hear a guy tomorrow you know will the master list be five and he said yeah um the the touring i don't think was going to start until 2022 for them yeah so it could be February 2022 before we hear anything about a, a vocalist in Fear Factory. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, the album that they're putting out is not going to contain whoever they have in the band. And right. the singer may end up being just a temporary guy to do the tour. And when they decide to do another album, it may be a completely different singer once again, because there's, like you said, that they've always been surrounded with, as much as I love them, They've always had some sort of a drama surrounding them oh, yeah. album to album. I mean, what, when is the last time that they've had two straight albums with the same lineup? You know, <laughs> right. It's been a while. 
Um, yeah, and that's that's the thing with that band is like they they got up to you know with with obsolete and the even yeah. um uh what was after obsolete um Digimortal Digimortal like right around that that period you know they had the Cars cover that that you know I think went gold or something and you know yeah. you get they were so close and then all of a sudden all the internal strife just yeah. bubbled over and then Dino leaves and there's two Fear Factory albums without him and then he comes back and they do a couple more Fear Factory albums and now there's going to be Fear Factory albums without Burton and it's like it's just yeah. always something with that band that uh I think that Fear Factory should get a lot more credit for so many genres. You know, the gent yeah. the gent genre, you know, very Fear Factory-esque. New metal, you know, Dino's mm -hmm. credited as the guy who you know coined the term new metal. You mm -hmm. know, they asked they, you know, somebody asked him like what the thing was and he said it or something. Um, even um uh, there's an there's a song on Soul of a New Machine that could be blind from corn, you know, <laughs> like you know, corn right. could have totally ripped off Fear Factory. And yeah. there's there's a lot of and he's even in, insinuated because you know, Ross Robinson worked with early Fear Factory, it didn't work out. Ross found a new band to work with. Did Ross say, Hey, you know, why don't we try something like this? You know, you never yeah. know because some of those early corn demos are kind of weird, <laughs> mm -hmm. even even weirder than what they ended up being. But uh, so you got that. The clean singing over the screaming singing, you know, a lot of the new uh, the uh, uh, New England hardcore bands like Killswitch Engage, yeah, you know that that kind of did that that dynamic could be linked back to Fear Factory. There's a lot going on there that uh, that they may or may not get uh, credit for. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite bands to to come out of the '90s, and as as you're saying, you know, just so influential on a lot of different things, whether people realize it or not, because they drew in aspects from <coughs> different genres and different things to kind of make it their own. Um, because you you think about it, and I know that a lot of people give a lot of credit to say Godflesh and stuff like that with yeah. the industrial side of things. But if you really listen to stuff off of obsolete, like songs like Descent or songs mm -hmm. like Resurrection, there's definitely like a Depeche Mode factor in there as well. <laughs> a lot of the lyrics are, you know, kind of downtrodding as well. Um, so they they are taking things from from other forms of music and making it metal, where a lot of bands haven't done that. And a lot of times I look back and people ask me, you know, what's what are the last bands to do something original you feel in metal? And unfortunately I have to go back and say, Hey, you know, D manufacture and maybe the first system album. I mean, since then we really haven't had a whole heck of a lot of stuff right. that, that really, you could say, Oh, wow, this is groundbreaking. This, this just changed the game. To me, those two bands changed, changed the game in, in so many ways with everything that you said about fear factory. Um, with system, I, I see things with Ginger, and I even see things with Sumo Psycho with bringing in, you know, all the all the different things that, you know, the the, the Armenian music that they were bringing in kind of opened the door for stuff that you know with ska stuff or with reggae stuff that other people hadn't tried before, and I think yeah. a lot of that comes from directly from System. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they always talk about like grunge being the last big movement and music and stuff and then you know i think that honestly the new metal movement i mean you had bands like corn system of a down limbiscuit like on top of mtv trl you know yeah right there with nsync and the backstreet boys yeah. and how big that got and then 
I think another big shift in my musical taste was when I first, like a, my buddy played me on earth for the first time and okay. played me kill early kill switch engage mm-hmm. because those, those, because they took like all that thrash that we grew up on, mm-hmm. but we were trying to make it a music. So we were playing new metal type stuff, but we still liked Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer and all that stuff. And they took all that, but then they added a little bit more to it and started playing guitar solos again and like really shredding right. again. And Atreyu, I think Atreyu doesn't get a lot enough uh, credit for for some of the, just bringing some of that kind of '80s flair back to the guitar, uh, back into music and actual talent. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, as as much as I love most new metal, most new metal you don't need a whole lot of talent to play. <laughs> there's a, there's just a, you know a series of ones and zeros on the guitar that you can play, and you'll 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 make a song. But I mean, like an unearth and kill switch a tray you and just that whole shadows fall and all those guys that were just came back out as shredders mm-hmm. like, oh shit you know here we go again <laughs> you know? right but i i honestly but i do think that that like a band like kill switch is probably one of the most copied bands too you know when you there's right. still new bands coming out that still have that <laughs> that sound and you're like that's just that's kill switch engaged again <laughs> right yeah, yeah no <laughs> it's, I, it's crazy. I agree yeah absolutely um we're going to wind things down here. I've kept you for longer than I expected. Um, and I appreciate you hanging in here the, the entire time, even uh, withstanding the barrage from Sinzak. Um, Sinzak's all right. You know, rock and roll podcast. Always, always love to see them in the chat room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want to thank everyone in the chat from, from Chris Sinzak, uh, honestly, and uh, Rob Rowe. Uh, we saw uh, Brad Dahl in here uh, earlier. We saw Jose up in Connecticut. Um, Jeremy in the UK. Saw Art, who said he was driving up to uh, Lake Placid and watching this at the same time. Hopefully he was just listening and not watching. Um, Did you ask him, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> that <laughs> happened to Lake Placid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyone else that I missed? I um I apologize if I missed out and didn't thank you guys, but as always, I definitely appreciate you dis- spending your Fridays with me as opposed to doing a million other things that I know are available. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you to all my patrons that are also um, either in the chat or will listen to this afterwards. Again, um, like, share, spread the, spread the news. Tag Josh Toomey. Uh, on social media and say, Hey, I loved your interview. Um, it'll let him know that he didn't waste his time on the show tonight. So, uh, <laughs> even if I was just talking to you, Vic, it would never be a waste of time, sir. Awesome. I appreciate that. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, again, thanks for your time, and we will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream, the audio version. Uh, will be uh, available next week. Thank you, Josh. And thanks all of you guys. See you. Thank you, Vic. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 